Are we good? All right. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Or welcome. That's usually what I say at my church. Welcome. But welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank you for welcoming me here. Um, you guys have quite the reputation, speaking of birthdays, for that party. My, my one daughter this morning, she was asking me, which church are you going to again? And I told her, and she said, oh, they're the party guys. Like, she was so like, oh, so way to go. And also, like, Rich and I have a little bit of pressure now that whenever we have our next big anniversary, which is coming up like year five, my, all my kids, I have four kids, they're all like, we have to do this, we have to do that. Because we were here and all four, and they loved it. And wherever we go, like churches, they always end up owning the place because they're pastor's kids. They're always at churches. So they totally took on ownership. They're like, this is great. We have to do this and that. So no pressure. <laughs> but it was beautiful, and it was fun to celebrate with you guys. So thank you so much for having me. I, one thing about me is I love the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit today, but like I really love the Holy Spirit, and it's something that I often end up talking about without realizing it just kind of comes out, and so it's exciting to share that with you. Um, I was thinking about when I first was interested in the Holy Spirit, like when I got curious, more curious. I grew up in the church, um, and I don't know if you guys have a beginner's Bible or have ever heard of a beginner's Bible, those Bibles for kids. I still have mine. I was going to bring it in to show you guys because my kids use it, but it's still there. I got it in 1990. I won't tell you how old I was, but I was a kid. And <laughs> um, and I would read that over and over. And it was actually the first time I ever really read the Bible. Um, so it's really fun to watch my kids, my, my youngest right now, he's seven, just like digging into it and reading it. But I would read it over and over. And the one story that I would just be fascinated with was when Jesus multiplied the food, the bread, and the fish and fed thousands of people. And the Lord reminded me that that was really when I first got interested and curious about the Holy Spirit. And I, um, I don't remember if I actually thought this way, but like I could imagine little girl me just being like, does that happen still? Can that still happen? Like, who does that? Jesus isn't here physically on the earth. How? And um, yeah, I mean, I just that desire to see cool stuff like that happen, right? Kind of was birthed there. Uh, when I was an older teenager in high school, I was, I think my senior year in high school, I started going to Blue Root Vineyard in media. Um, and that was the first time as somebody who was of age, basically, um, that I had been introduced to uh, the things of the Holy Spirit in a very practical way in a very, like, wow, this is interesting. Like, people actually hear from God. God does this stuff. I started reading books, and one of the books that has really impacted me is this book by um, Roland and Heidi Baker called Always, yeah, Always Enough. And I don't know if you've heard of them. They are missionaries in Mozambique. They have this ministry called Iris Ministries. They work with orphans, poorest of the poor. It's beautiful what they've done. It's been hard <laughs> what they've done. Um, but when I, I will never forget reading this book, and one of the main 
stories I've read, I'm actually going to read to you guys a little bit. Um, it's just so impactful for me. So this is Heidi. She's telling uh, about a time when their ministry was still fairly new, and they were being forced to move. The, the government was forcing them to move off their property. They didn't expect that. It was just kind of a shock. They had about 300 orphans living with them on their land. They had a bunch of staff. I don't know how many. And then they had their family of four. They had uh, two kids, a girl and a boy. A boy. Um, so Heidi says this. Our daughter began to cry because she was so hungry. And they were in the middle of packing up, trying to get out to move. I thought I was going to snap. We didn't have any big pans for cooking. We weren't prepared in any way to feed all those children. A precious woman from the U.S. Embassy came over with food. I brought you chili and rice for your family, she announced sweetly, and just enough for the four of us. We hadn't eaten in days. I opened a door and showed her all our children. 300 children. And I think at this time they had like 100 like in their actual physical building. I have a big family, I pointed out tiredly, but in complete and desperate earnest. My friend got serious. There's not enough. I need to go home and cook some more. But I just asked her to pray over the food. Now she was upset. But don't do this, she begged. But she prayed quickly. I got out the plastic plates we used for street outreaches and also a small pot of cornmeal I had. We began serving, and right from the start, I gave everyone a full bowl. I was dazed and overwhelmed. I barely understood at the time what a wonderful thing was happening. But all our children ate. The staff ate, my friend ate, and even our family of four ate. Everyone had enough. That stuff happens. (laughs) Jesus is still multiplying the food. It still happens. And when I read that, I was stunned I'm like, this is a woman, and I've heard her in person share testimony after testimony of the miraculous things that God does, and it happens, it's real. And I've been on this exciting journey of trying to figure out how I can participate, how God wants to use me, how the Holy Spirit would move through me ever since. And I think it's something that he has for all of us. Today I'm going to speak about being empowered by the Holy Spirit and how we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. I ask that you would touch hearts. You would come and you would do what you want to do. That we would get out of the way. We thank you for this time. Amen. So if we uh, look at the Old Testament... We can see regularly that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, as the Holy Spirit was referred to, regularly would fall on people to empower them to do things. But it's interesting because the Holy Spirit would only um, do that, come on certain people during certain times, for certain reasons, at specific times, at specific reasons. So it wasn't something that was like up for grabs. Like it happened and there was a purpose. And uh, some examples of this, I'm going to name a few. Adam, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to name the creatures of the earth, to call out, to speak. 
Noah was empowered to build the ark. We don't know if he was a creative guy, but I know that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God would fall on people to gift them with the ability to be creative. Um, He did that as well with the Israelites when uh, Moses was um, receiving words from God and he said, I'm going to fill this one man. I think his name was, how do you say this wrong? It's like a tongue twister. Bezalel? Bezalel, I think. And he, would, he said, I'm going to fall on Bezalel and fill him and give him the ability to do these creative works that there's no way he could have done before. And Samson was empowered with physical strength to defeat the Philistines. Joseph was empowered to be second in command of Egypt and save people during years of famine. Samuel was empowered to anoint the first king of Israel. Solomon was empowered to be the wisest man who ever lived. Mary was empowered to be the mother of Jesus. She was literally filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there's Jesus. So that's the Old Testament. And then when Jesus came, everything changed. Jesus is living a Holy Spirit-empowered life regularly. And it was something that had never been seen before. And when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the Spirit of God fell on him and then led him out into the wilderness for 40 days. And then, when that time was up, the Spirit of God led him out from the wilderness. And the Spirit then led him to the synagogues to begin teaching the people. And when the people heard Jesus speak, they were like, who is this guy? This is Jesus. Like, how did this happen? They noticed there was a difference. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, like, confirmed, like, yeah, there is something different. And he announced what was different. In Luke 4, 18, Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19, Jesus said, he read um, from the scriptures in Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we see here the reason that God empowered Jesus by the Spirit. And that reason was to preach the good news to the poor, to bring freedom to the prisoners, to restore the sight of the blind, and to preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. And what is the kingdom of heaven? Simply put, it's wherever God's rule and reign is. And then we can look at the early church. Because of what Jesus did for us through the cross and his resurrection from the dead, he made a way for all believers to live a spirit-empowered life. So that season of only specific people being empowered by the Spirit to do specific things, changed. When we look at Acts, it's the main section where we're going to be in Acts 2, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 
All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. To set the stage here, um, after Jesus ascended to heaven, the apostles are gathered in the upper room in Jerusalem, waiting. They were listening, obeying to what Jesus told them to do. Wait for me. Wait for the gift I have for you. And they spent time together, gathered, praying, seeking, waiting. And they just, they, like, it, they waited. And I, I imagine it being intense. I don't know if you guys have, you know, gathered together to pray in groups. Like, there's a lot of just together and sometimes just waiting, right? You don't want to just keep talking. And these guys were family, basically. They had done so much life together. And it wasn't just those guys. There were also women in the room and children. It was a crowded room. I kind of imagine it, like, stinky, even, and... You know, like people are tired and hungry, getting hangry. Like they're just waiting. And then the day came. The Holy Spirit came with mighty power. They weren't expecting that. And I find it fascinating that the Holy Spirit rested on them and filled them. Because that's how the Spirit would come upon people before Jesus. God's still the same today as he was yesterday. And something else that I think is the coolest thing. You know the tongues of fire that were on their head? That always used to trip me up. I'm like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. But I believe, and this is my opinion, but I believe that they could see into the spirit realm. That when the Holy Spirit fell on them and filled them, they were empowered with a gift to be able to see. Their eyes were opened into what is typically not seen. And so they saw fire resting on one another's heads. And that must have been so weird. (laughs) That would just be shocking, actually. And they probably felt the heat from that fire, too. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like the Holy Spirit's presence when you're getting prayer, during worship, or you're praying for someone else. Sometimes there's this intense heat that happens. If you could see into the spirit, there might be a flame resting on your head or in your hands. Which is pretty amazing. So that happens. And then, that's part of the immediate fruit that happened. Their eyes were opened to be able to see into the spirit realm. And then they were able to start speaking tongues. That's another gift, spiritual gift, right? They had never done that before. And that, I think that's something that is common. Not everybody does that, and that's okay, but I think that's very common. Um, About 10 years ago, I went to um, IHOP, not the International House of Pancakes, but the International House of Prayer, and I was with, I think, about six or seven friends. There might have been seven of us in total. And we were there for a conference called One Thing um, this past year, actually. It was their last one for quite a while. But um, we were there, and they were having an incredible outpouring of the Holy Spirit happen at the time. And I had never really fully been immersed in that kind of environment, so I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, My one friend, Esther, her uncle was just in the process of transitioning to be on staff at IHOP. And he was, so he was there, and she arranged, he had offered to pray for us. 
And so she arranged for that. And we had met him before. He had been to Blue Root Vineyard for some special event. And uh, so we were like, yeah, that would be great. Let's get some prayer. And so we arranged for one night to get prayer. And he prayed for us one by one. Like we were just, I think we actually literally stood in the line, like one by one. You know, it was time. And I was in the middle of the line. It was my turn. And I stood there, you know, with a typical posture, hands out eyes closed, just ready to receive. And he started praying for me. And the heat of the Holy Spirit was intense. I don't think I had ever felt such intense heat on my body before. It shocked me, actually. And the weight, the weight of the Spirit was incredible. And I just have to say, I've never been one of those people that has ever desired to fall. Like, I'm the kind of person, I'm going to plant my feet, like, you know, make sure I'm not going to fall at all. Because, well, remember, I don't want to hurt my head. I don't know. I just, no. It's just not something I've ever desired. And I used to wonder before, like, do people fake that? Is that even real? And so, no, that's not for me. But I had this heavy weight happen, and I did not fall backwards. Jesus loves me. I ended up going forward, but not like toppling. I went on my knees and then I ended up on the floor in a fetal position. I don't even fully know how that happened, but it was just like, I couldn't stand. It was like, I'm going to collapse. And as I'm laying there in the fetal position, her uncle, who was a kind of a quiet man, not typically someone who would get animated or excited when he prayed, and I was assured of this later because, because. He was, like, intensely over me just being like, Shekinah glory, Shekinah glory, like, loud, over and over. And I'm, honestly, at that time, I'm like, what's Shekinah glory? You know, I'm thinking that. Like, I hadn't, you know, I, I was able to think and process and hear and receive. And then all of a sudden, I started speaking in this other language. I don't even know how, how it happened. I remember thinking, I think I'm speaking in tongues. Did I want to speak in tongues? Like, it just flowed out of me. And it was this fully developed language. I, and I will say before that too, I would wrestle with, yeah, maybe I would want to do that. I don't know. What's the point? I don't really get it. Do I want that gift? Mm. I... I guess there was enough of me that wanted it. I don't know how that all works. But it was there, and it bubbled out, and it was pouring out. And I wondered, what am I saying? And then as soon as I had that thought, all of a sudden, in English, I would say, praise Jesus, praise him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It was like, then I'm like, oh my goodness, I have the gift of being able to interpret my own tongue. That's amazing. Um It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. And I also experienced laughter and joy. The phrase has always bothered me, being drunk in the Holy Spirit. But I fit that description to a T. Again, that's something I always thought people maybe like made up, manufactured. That was real. I promise you I didn't make any of that up. And with that joy 
that laughter. It's like, it was like the, the presence of God, the light was so strong. I was immersed in so much light that anything dark had to come out. I had an incredible deliverance as well from that. And I often think of like joy, when you get that supernatural joy and laughter, it's almost like a plunger that just helps get rid of all the, the spiritual garbage. <laughs> but it's true, and I've seen it over and over with others. Usually when laughter starts, usually, it doesn't always, but like often, especially if they've never experienced it before, there's something that's going to come out. And it's such a gracious way to have it happen. Like, what a gift. Because there's no fear. Like, you're in the presence of the Lord. And he's taking care of you. And that environment was one of the most beautifully worship, like, rich time. Like, spiritually rich. I, leaving that place, I could feel the difference. Like, that, it was like a glimpse of heaven. And there's times when I miss that so much. As I left and went home, day by day, more of that intense presence left and lifted because I was back in the normal world. And I've never quite experienced that level since then. There's been times where I've definitely encountered more. And... um, we're leaky people. We need more of the Holy Spirit. This keeps falling off. Um, and so it's good to have more encounters with him. But that wasn't just for me. Like, uh, since that time, I felt like there was an increase in my ability to discern more of what God's doing with people, especially when during prayer. I love praying for people and being able to see people physically healed. And that doesn't always happen. Most of the times that doesn't happen. But when it does happen, it's amazing. Amazing. Um, and then praying for deliverance for people. The concept and idea of that can be scary at times when you think about it, especially when you don't really know more what that is but when it happens you just want to see everybody be free like that last year I wasn't going to say this part last year I went to this conference I love I I do enjoy going to conferences (laughs) something that is life giving for me and encouraging and empowering But I went to this conference to support um, really my friend who was running it. And I went up to get prayer. There was an invitation for prayer. I went up to get prayer for my shoulder that I had injured during uh, a CrossFit workout a couple years ago. And um, the pain started moving around. And that had never happened before when I was getting prayer for this and I know too much. <laughs> Being like trained to pray, that's often a sign that there's there's something spiritual going on here. And I was like, and so I knew it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> here we go. And I ended up having 
an incredible deliverance. I wasn't expecting it whatsoever. I don't walk around thinking, oh, I need freedom. You know, like, it's not something I was really aware of. But it was the most, a second to, like, that event, like, nine years ago, this was incredible. The freedom I experienced created space for the Holy Spirit to come and do more. Like, I used to not enjoy reading for learning. It seemed like this dreaded chore. One of the things that happened after that is I was a sponge. I couldn't get enough. And I'm still soaking it up. And it's been a little over a year now. He keeps moving. Jesus keeps moving. He keeps empowering. And I've seen it in the lives of my friends as well. When the Holy Spirit (coughs) empowers us, we get to do the things that he's called us to do and wants us to do. And so one of the things is, for me, praying for people for freedom, praying for Holy Spirit to come and do what he wants to do. So if we go back and look at Acts, we take a look at what happened after the Holy Spirit came and fell on the, the, the group of people in that upper room. They began to speak in tongues, right? They were then empowered and led out of the room. I think they might have been in that room possibly out of fear of being found out they were connected to Jesus as well. The Holy Spirit led them out of the room. And Peter who honestly, like Peter, the one guy who was fairly wimpy, afraid to even be associated with Jesus before, Holy Spirit empowered him to start speaking, to start preaching to a crowd of Jews, like to a crowd of people who could turn on him. And he was just filled and empowered, and he spoke. And the, the, the Jews that were there already were aware of the um, disciples because of all the, the laughter. I'm assuming there was laughter and joy going on because they thought they were drunk. And because I've seen what that looks like, I just kind of assume that's part of it. And the tongues that are being spoken. So their, their attention was already grabbed. And I'm trying to think, like, how could that have happened if there was as many people there as the Bible says? Peter must have, his voice was probably amplified. Like, wouldn't it be interesting that with the way, the, how loud I sound with this microphone, that's how loud it was for the people around them. Because it's not like it was silent. They were outside. People were talking. But Peter got up and he shared. He shared about Jesus, his death and resurrection. And the people were listening. And I believe that the Holy Spirit was falling on the people, enabling them to hear and receive as well because it says when the people heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles brothers what shall we do and then Peter replied repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call 
And we're in that. We're included in that. And then after that, around 3,000 people accepted Jesus and were baptized. That is a move of the Holy Spirit right there. Can you imagine being able to do anything that would impact that many people for Jesus? That would change their lives? To be empowered to speak boldly this truth and have people's hearts changed? Peter never did that before. It was only after he was filled with the Spirit. Uh, Rich Nathan wrote, wrote a book called Both And, and he in it talks about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham was an amazing evangelist. God definitely empowered him to speak. He wasn't known as a charismatic guy, necessarily. But he quotes Billy Graham saying this, Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected, and they often have recurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't something he preached on normally, but Billy knew. And um, my husband, Rich, told me about this, this next story also about Billy. When Billy was a young man, he, it was 1946, he was just beginning his ministry, and he had traveled to England. And he arrived um, the, early, a day early, at the venue where he would be speaking, and there was a man already speaking there at the end of a youth event. He was speaking to the youth. His name is Stephen, Stephen Olford, and he was speaking on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And Billy was captured by his talk. And then when Stephen was done, he sat down in the front row and just put his head in his hands, kind of like in defeat. And Billy walked up to him. He was in the back of the room. He walked up to him and knelt in front of him and was like, Sir, why didn't you give an invitation to receive what you have? Like, I want that. And so Stephen offered to spend some time with Billy. And um, they spent the next day together praying and asking God for an infilling of the Holy Spirit for Billy. Like, they spent time waiting and praying, like the disciples, seeking the Lord. That night, Billy was to speak at a Welsh church and he got up and he preached a fairly ordinary sermon. And a few people responded. There wasn't anything amazing at all what happened. And it's okay. Fairly typical. But they decided to meet again the next day together, Billy and um, Stephen. And it says, I'm going to read from it, this, this uh, passage. Um, 
you're curious. It's from a book called A Personal Look at Billy Graham, the World's Best Loved Evangelist. This is Stephen's account of what happened. The next day, they met again, Billy and Stephen, and they began concentrating on the work of the Holy Spirit by declaring, there is no Pentecost without Calvary, and that we must be broken, like the Apostle Paul, who declared himself crucified with Christ. He then told Billy how God completely turned his life inside out. It was, he said, an experience of the Holy Spirit in his fullness and anointing. He explained that where the Spirit is truly Lord over the life, there is liberty, there is release. The sublime freedom of complete submission of oneself in a continuous state of surrender to the indwelling of God's Holy Spirit. According to Stephen, Billy cried, Stephen, I see it. That's what I want. His eyes filled with tears, something rare with Billy. It seems... He had no appetite that day, only taking a sip of water occasionally. Stephen continued to expound the meaning of the filling of the Spirit in the life of the believer. He said it meant bowing daily and hourly to the sovereignty of Christ and to the authority of the word. From talking and discussing, the two men went to their knees, praying and praising. It was about mid-afternoon on the second day that Billy began pouring out his heart. In a prayer of total dedication to the Lord, according to Stephen, all heaven broke loose in that dreary little room. It was like Jacob laying hold of God and crying, Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. They came to a time of rest from prayer, and Billy exclaimed, My heart is so flooded with the Holy Spirit. They alternately wept and laughed, and Billy began walking back and forth across the room saying, I have it. I'm filled. I'm filled. This is the turning point of my life this will revolutionize my ministry. Ulfer said, that's Stephen, he said, that night Billy was to speak at a large Baptist church nearby. And when he rose to preach, he was a man absolutely anointed. Billy's Welsh audience seemed to sense it. They came forward to pray even before the invitation was given. Later when it was given, Ulford said the Welsh listeners jammed the aisles. There was chaos. Practically the entire audience came rushing forward. Can't even doubt that that was the only time Billy ever had that experience with the Holy Spirit. That was the beginning. What if... What if God t could do the same thing with us as he did for Billy Graham? What if thousands upon thousands came to know Jesus, came to encounter the living God because we're surrendering ourselves to the Holy Spirit for him to move through us? My prayer, my heart, is that the church would be so saturated with the presence of the Lord that people who didn't know him would come rushing down the aisles. And I believe that God wants to empower people. And I think he wants to do that today too. And I'd, really, I'd like to pray for people. 
if you guys wouldn't mind standing. And if you're near someone, um, if you could, this is a little different, but if you could, if they're okay with it, put your hand on their arm or shoulder or something. Like touch, like. And if you're not near someone, if you could get near somebody. Yeah. So I know this is a little different, but um, I can't touch all of you. And I think there's something that happens when we lay hands on each other. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Come in this place. I ask that you would touch hearts and that you would fill people with your presence. Jesus. Father, I just um, ask that you would awaken gifts, spiritual gifts in people, gifts of healing, physical healing. You would stir that up, God. I ask for gifts of discernment to be uh, awakened as well. And I just pray for freedom in this room. For you to do what you want to do. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, he is here waiting for you. And if that's something you'd like to do, you can just pray something like this. Father, I need you. I give my life to you. I ask that you would come and live in me. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I know ministry time is usually done in the room over here, but I just get the sense that if you've been trained to pray, God is doing something, and he would love for people to be praying over each other.